It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by PrizePix. PrizePix is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to prizepix.com slash LockedOnNBA and use the code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week. You might be already in it. It might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is July 10th, 2018. My name is Philip Rossman-Reich. I'm the expert and site editor over at OrlandoMagicDaily.com. Happy to be with you here on a Tuesday. You can, of course, follow me on Twitter at philiprr underscore omd. The final preliminary game of Summer League is over. I'll recap the Magic's game against the Phoenix Suns. Talk a little bit about the offense, whether we should be a little concerned or not with the offense. We shouldn't because it's Summer League, but I'll talk a little bit about the Magic's offense in Summer League, what we've seen from it, what we can take away from it, what's good, what's bad, what we can ignore, all that good stuff. Uh, as we dive into Summer League a little bit more with Monday's game. And then, of course, I'm going to talk about the defense. I'll do the same thing with the defense. What's good, what's been bad. We'll do like a little mini Summer League recap here as the preliminary games are over and we head into the tournament phase of Summer League. And and I'm still not 100% sure we'll see uh, Jonathan Isaac or Muhammad Bamba very much after, after Monday's game. But let's start with the nuts and bolts of Monday's game. The Orlando Magic taking on the Phoenix Suns, a matchup that featured DeAndre Ayton, the top overall pick, taking on Muhammad Bamba, and it really did not disappoint. Um, Both Ayton and Bamba got their shots in on each other. Uh, Ayton had the better statistical game, but but Bamba held his own, I thought. I thought he did a good job. Uh, Definitely got manhandled a little bit physically at times. There was that one play in the second quarter where Ayton literally shoves Bamba out of the way for an offensive rebound and a two-handed jam, but... Bamba was active defensively. I mean, again, it's it's a lot of it is what you expect from these guys. Uh, what 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 their scouting report said that these this is what these guys are going to do. On one end, you had Aiton running to rolling to the basket, rim running, getting shots, getting lobs, working the glass. Where he's a very tireless rebounder. I mean, everything that you expect from him. And on the other end, you had Bamba, who was blocking shots, changing shots, playing solid defense, solid enough defense, running the floor a little bit, not getting a ton of offensive opportunities, but doing a lot of those little things that you expect Mo Bamba to be able to do. So both players, I felt, lived up to their billing uh, in, in many respects. The final stats on them, 
DeAndre Ayton finishing with, let me pull it up here now. It's going to. My box. NBA.com's box scores sucks. Um, DeAndre Ayton finishing with 17 points, 6 for 10, shooting 13 rebounds, 5 offensive rebounds. But four turnovers, a lot of that because of the work that Bamba did defensively, as well as Jonathan Isaac, who played some minutes at center as well. Mohamed Bamba finishes with four points, just two for four from the floor, five rebounds, five blocked shots, two steals, just one turnover for him. So, you know, again, a lot of what you expect from these guys. Uh, but unfortunately for Orlando, their offense just did not show up today. I, I mean, Bamba scoring four points doesn't sound like a lot, but only Jonathan Isaac scored in double figures for the Orlando Magic. He had 10 points on two for nine shooting, five for six from the foul line, six rebounds, two blocks, one steal. Orlando as a team shoots 30.9% from the floor, just three for 20 from beyond the arc. Free throws helping them pace their way, 16 for 22, and then 20 turnovers. It's a summer league game. We saw a lot of turnovers. It was a very sloppy performance from Orlando, and I think that hurt them overall because, honestly, I didn't think their defense was that bad. When Isaac and Bamba are in, and, and really I'm judging this team based on when Isaac and Bamba are in because that's what matters. When Isaac and Bamba were in, I thought the Magic played even with Phoenix. As bad as they were playing, I thought, I thought. I mean, I, I, don't, I can look at the plus-minus here. I thought that Orlando was fairly even. The plus-minus doesn't quite read that way. Uh, Isaac was minus 14, Bamba minus 11, so maybe my eyes were deceiving me. But I wasn't wholly disappointed with the way that the Magic played when their starters were in for most of it. Now, early on, Orlando did fall into a bit of a hole. They never led in this game. It was it was a constant uphill battle. Orlando was trailing by probably 11 or 12 points for most of the game, unable to really make a run and make a serious push at the lead. They got it down to single digits at the end of the third quarter. Um, but we're not able to really make a push to make this game interesting from a score perspective. Phoenix was able to pull away, especially when Isaac and Bamba went to the bench. Um, so it's a game really where the Magic struggled offensively and then struggled to create a rhythm, struggled to create shots. We're forcing a lot of things, trying to drive the basket. I think a lot of guys were trying to work on things that that maybe not conducive to winning. I think uh, you know some some readers noted, why did Bomba only have four shots? They, they didn't run a lot of pick and rolls with him, or he was rolling a lot on pick and rolls rather than popping. There's one instance where he popped, and um, and and the, the guard turned it over, trying to trying to flip it back to him. Little things like that. And, and, and Isaiah Briscoe only playing three minutes in this game hurt the Magic tremendously. Briscoe's been a fantastic driver, fantastic creator and penetrator for this team. Uh, and Orlando really missed that. Troy Copain didn't quite develop that. He's not quite the passer that Briscoe is. Copain shooting just three for 11, six points for him, four turnovers and just two assists. A, a, a difficult game for him and just a difficult game for everyone. I mean, you can run through all the stats here. Wessel one do eight points, two for eight shooting, eight rebounds, four turnovers. Jonathan Isaac, like I said, 10 points, two for nine shooting, six rebounds. Mobamba, just two for four. Melvin Frazier missed all six of his shots, several layups included in that, and had four turnovers. Um, Copain, three for 11. Uh, really, I mean, really outside of Brian Angolorotis, who was four for eight, but missed all three of his three pointers. Not a lot to report on the offensive on the offensive ledger again. Thirty percent shooting for Orlando, a little bit a little bit more than thirty percent shooting for Orlando. Twenty turnovers. They they were never able to make a push and never able to make this game interesting from a scoring perspective. Of course, that's not why we're really here though. That's not what really matters at the end of the day. You want to win because winning is good, but 
it's more about the development and how the players look. And and you know, I, I said this I think after uh, after Friday's game when I was watching it, so I didn't say it on the podcast here. But you know, I I looked at Friday's game. I was like, look, the Magic weren't perfect by any stretch of the imagination. They had some defensive slippage here and there, um, in giving up 80 points to the Nets that day. But overall, you saw Isaac and Bamba active on defense. You saw what they could be, and you could go go up to it and say, you know, it wasn't a great game, it wasn't a perfect game, but very encouraging in a lot of ways. And and I think. Even in this defeat, I think you can say that. I mean, Orlando didn't give up 80 points like they did on Friday night. They, they gave up only 71. Phoenix uh, wasn't like Phoenix was tearing things up either. They shot 37.5% from the floor. Orlando blocked 10 total shots. I mean, Orlando was no slouch defensively. If they could have just scored a few, scored some baskets, this is a close game. It was a close game entering the fourth quarter. Um, so, again, I look at this game and I say, you know, the offense is, is, a, is, is a struggle, and, I, and I'll, I'll get into this in a bit. Um, the, the way this roster is set up is not conducive to a lot of scoring. The, the Magic just aren't going to be able to create a lot of offense. They're, they're relying on guys that aren't great shooters and probably shouldn't have the ball in their hands. They're, Jonathan Isaac's got a green light, and he is taking it and not always making the best decisions with a shot selection. Uh, but that's okay. It's Summer League. You can live with that. Uh, and so I would say that Looking at Monday's game, not their best effort. Not certainly their worst game of of the three that they've played so far. I would, I would, I would definitely agree with that. They're sloppy on offense. They didn't have the movement that I really liked from Friday's game, especially, and, and even from Sunday's game. Um, didn't have the ball movement and cutting that I like to see. They, they definitely seem to be trying to force things off the dribble a lot more, which I don't think is how they want to play. Um, but defensively, there was some slippage, there were some cracks, but they still played with a lot of intensity, and, and I think that's overall a good thing. I think but what Pat Delaney and, and Steve Clifford want to see from this from this from this week and from this, these games is our guys buying in, our guys playing hard, our guys getting after it on defense, and is and, and using that as the base to grow the offense. So we're not seeing a lot of the offense here. We're not seeing a lot of uh how, what this team's gonna look like in October. And that's okay. That's fine. We don't need to see that right now. Right now, we want to see, okay, what are the structures of this team's defense? And we're seeing that, I think, really, really well. And I think the Magic are executing it really, really well. So, not the best game for the Magic. Obviously, I think I think that that much is clear. Um, definitely some slippage a little bit in this game. But still an overall encouraging game. I am not upset overall with how the Magic played. It, it wasn't their best effort again, but it was solid enough. And, and that's Summer League. You, you, you look for the things that maybe get you excited or the things that uh, that that you can maybe point to and say, you know, we can take this and do some of it in the regular season. And I think with the way Bomba and Isaac are playing, we're obviously seeing that. Now, not everyone is, is getting in on that. I think Frazier's really struggled. Um, Iwundu's had his struggles. I'll talk about him in a bit too. Uh, but we're seeing... I, I, I still think that we saw a team play well. If I had to grade the game, it'd probably be a C-plus because of the offense. I'd give the defense a B-minus. Um, and that's, again, it's summer league. You can, you can live with that. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. 
Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Berea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Berea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Berea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Like I said, I wanted to break down in a little bit more detail uh, what we're seeing from the offense and what we're seeing from the defense that, that that's both concerning uh, and encouraging. And, 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 and I think that that's important to do here at this juncture of Summer League. We've now finished the three Preliminary round games, Orlando is probably going to play next on Wednesday uh, in the tournament in tournament play. So Magic will get the day off tomorrow as, as preliminary play rounds up or rounds down or winds down or whatever it is. Uh, the teams will then be seeded um, 1 through 30 uh, in a, into a tournament bracket. Orlando sitting at 2 and 1 should get a decent seed, I would suppose. Um and then they will play a single elimination tournament game tournament with each team guaranteed two more games. So if you lose, you do go to a constellation game. You do get a, a fifth game there. I am still not 100% certain that Jonathan Isaac or Mohamed Bamba will play in these games. I kind of, th- I, I, I'm on the fence. I think it's probably 50-50. Um, I don't know if I would. I've seen everything I need to see out of them. So uh, I don't know if I need to, to play them in these games, but maybe the Magic want to. Maybe the Magic want that winning experience. Maybe the Magic want to see them in this pressure, um, which you don't really get at, which you wouldn't have really gotten at the Orlando Summer League since it's a it's a kind of single-game format with, with only 10 teams present, so no tournament. But having said that, uh, we, we are seeing a lot of what we want to see offensively or, or some of the things that we want to see offensively and some of the things that are encouraging. I think that the first thing to start off with, though, is to say that this team is not a good shooting team. This summer league roster that the Magic have thrown out there is not a good shooting team. It's not merely that they shot 3 of 20 from the floor in Monday's game. They shot that poorly or or nearly as poorly in Sunday's game from beyond the arc. They shot nearly that poorly in Friday's game. This is outside of, really outside of Brian Angelo-Rodas, who is a pretty good shooter. I I was surprised that he missed all three of his three-pointers today. Um... Outside of Anglo Rodas, uh, maybe you could throw Troy Copain in there. Sometimes Rodney Purvis, um, Rodney's struggled a lot this this week, uh, unfortunately. Um, but outside of those two guys, this team does not have any established three-point shooters. Yes, Muhammad Bamba has made a couple threes, and Jonathan Isaacs looked more confident as a three-point shooter, drained, drained a nice one on Monday. But that's not who this team is. And so... Already automatically, you know, with the way this league is, you are putting a cap on your team's offensive abilities because they can't shoot. Now, I think that this is important to note here that offense isn't the focus for this team. I think I, I think that that every indication from the way that Pat Delaney has talked about it, the way the broadcasters have talked about their conversations with the Magic... Every indication is that what the Magic are being judged on this week is on their defense. And we'll talk about that in a moment. So, take everything offensively this this week with a little bit of a grain of salt. Now, you don't want guys to play so poorly, but it's not an ideal situation. 
Now, granted, when the Magic get to the main roster, they won't have a ton of shooters. DJ Augustin, Evan Fournier, Nikola Vucevic, Aaron Gordon, not great shooters. Not, not a great shooting team. They were one of the worst three-point shooting teams in the league last year. Obviously, they can get hot like they did at the start of the season, but this team's not going to rely heavily on the three-point shot, and, and they'll need to figure out how to, make, how to create spacing and create space on the floor. So, that's kind of where things start. Now, that's probably why the Magic's offense isn't the most efficient. I think a lot of the Magic's best offensive sets have come in secondary transition when they've gotten a steal or gotten a block and run in, run in fast break. I mean, that's, I think, a lot of what this team's going to do offensively this year. There have been some nice sets that I liked, especially Friday. I thought they executed really, really well Friday um, with... A lot of motion to set up post-ups, a lot of pick-and-rolls involving Jonathan Isaac. Um, There were definitely some interesting actions, but again, take offense with a grain of salt this week. There are a few things to note, though. And it starts with Jonathan Isaac, of course. Isaac has had the green light to shoot, and that's okay. He's taken a lot of mid-range jumpers. He's made a few impressive jumpers. He's missed a few jumpers pretty badly. But he has the willingness and uh, and green light to shoot this week. And the fact that he has that willingness is a good thing. The fact that he has that willingness and he's still trying to make the right play more often than not. There, He passed up two open three-pointers on Monday to try and, or two semi-open three-pointers to get it to the wide-open guy. He made that next pass. That's all a good sign. And I think we, we've seen Isaac this week more comfortable on the ball. We've seen him more willing to take shots and, and pull into his dribble pull-up. We've seen him make shots at a decent enough rate. Not a great rate, but decent enough. We've seen him be willing to attack the basket to get to the foul line. We are seeing the outlines of a decent offensive player. Now, he's got a long way to go still. He's got to put... I mean, the strength is a big issue on offense as much as it is on defense. Uh, and he's got to become more consistent with the shot. No doubt about it. That is still very much a big, big part of Isaac's development for the rest of this this offseason heading into training camp in September. But despite up-and-down production, despite inefficient production, field goal-wise, I think we can generally say we're happy with the way that Isaac's played offensively. Now, his offense is well behind his defense, but... Overall, I think it's been encouraging to see Isaac with this confidence. You know, we know that he can be a player. I think that much is abundantly clear. The next guy I want to point out on on offense, and I think it's been endemic of a lot of problems with the team throughout, is Gwesa Wundu. And Wundu, again, shot two for eight on on Monday, but that and that kind of shooting performance has been a little bit typical, unfortunately, throughout Summer League. He's shown a willingness to shoot, just like Jonathan Isaac. He's shown a willingness to shoot, which I think is is an important step. Let's not let's not get get that twisted. It is an important step, but the shot is is just not there, and we know that it wasn't there last year. It's it's the big question mark with Wessel Wundu, is can he hit shots? And so he's taking a lot of shots from the mid range off the off the bounce. Not his best thing to do. What I think is more concerning is how he's trying to force action a lot. And this isn't just an issue from Monday's game, although it was very pronounced in Monday's game when he had the the, turn, the four turnovers. 
he is really trying to get into the paint and create things and get to the foul line. And he's gotten to the foul line plenty. But if he's not getting to the foul line on his drives, he's committing turnover. He's making a bad pass. He's making a bad play. And that's really concerning for Wes Wundu because there are guys coming for a spot right now. I think a one new safe to make the roster. No, don't get me wrong there. And he's still probably better. He's not going to have the ball in his hands as much come the regular season. But you wanted to see him just a little bit further along. Just a little bit further down the road. And... I think that that's part of the question here for Orlando. Is, okay, we've got all these offensive players who aren't playing their proper roles, obviously. How do we measure them in the regular season now? I don't think the Magic's offense will be this bad come the regular season. Don't, 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 you know, this summer league. We, we were trying to gain some, some positives some points of concern, but nothing overarching, nothing conclusive. Because that's not this team's strength, like I said. This team's strength is defense. And there, I think we can get really, really excited. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. After Sunday's game against the Memphis Grizzlies, you could feel the excitement among Magic fans. I mean, I, I was in a, tw- someone, a fan tagged me in a Twitter thread that said, your reaction to the first two summer league games in Jeff form. And it was just a string of celebratory, anticipatory, excited GIFs. My contribution was a, a giraffe, you know, looking up at the looking up at a camera, which was both to symbolize that the team's length and also the curiosity. I am I am not, you know, in the boat, so to speak, of saying this team's going to be a top ten defense next year. But, like so many national pundits, so many people who are in Vegas, so many people watching this team, it's hard not to be impressed with the potential that Jonathan Isaac and Mohamed Bamba bring to the table. It's impossible not to look at what they've done so far in this summer league and say, there's not something there. There is absolutely something there. There is absolutely, um, there's absolutely a, a framework for this working, and it's because this Magic team is dominating defensively. Isaac and Bamba are the two obvious points of reference here. They're the two obvious guys who are causing all of this. When Isaac and Bamba are on the floor, the Magic's defense is better. No one wants to go into the paint because Isaac or Bamba will erase the shot. Orlando had 10 blocked shots on Monday. 
And it was, I think it's back-to-back games with 10 block shots. You, that, that's hard to do. I don't care if it's summer league. That's hard to do. The top teams in the NBA are averaging seven, eight blocks, maybe. Maybe. More, more than shooting percentages. Those are video game numbers. You don't block that many shots in a game. And Isaac had five on Sunday. He had a two more on Monday. Bamba had five. Those are not plays that are that are a matter of weaker competition or taking advantage of summer league. That's instinct. That's that's reading a play and and playing that play. But beyond just the potential of Isaac and Bamba, who have been incredible defensively. And I I mean I I, I ragged on a one do in the previous segment. Iwundu has been very good defensively, too. Great positioning, great footwork to stay in front of guys, digs in well, rotates back out to, to contest shots. He's been fantastic defensively. He's, he's doing the things that we saw him do in flashes during the regular season at a heightened level. He has gotten a lot better defensively, which is scary because he was already pretty good defensively. But what I think is most impressive about the Magic is we do see a little bit of a defensive identity forming. Isaac and Bamba are anchors, for sure, for this team. But it's also about the, the, the buy-in and the effort that we're seeing from the Magic. They are swarming teams. On Sunday, it looked like the Grizzlies did not want to be at the Thomas and Mack Center. It looked like they were done dealing with this pesky Magic team, getting after them constantly. Orlando started the game a little sloppy defensively, no doubt about it. And their missed shots were leading to fast breaks, which didn't allow them to get their defense set. But there was a stretch in the third quarter where the Magic were down, I think it was 13 points, and they cut it down to eight or seven points. It was really the only serious run the Magic made. And they just got after it. You could see the in- intensity and, and, and energy level ratchet up a bit. And they just wore that Suns team down and were able to create the fast breaks that, that generate their offense. It was... Really fun to watch. And I think we see the beginnings of the ideas that, that, that Jeff Weltman, John Hammond, Steve Clifford are going to have with this team. They're going to look to collapse the paint. They're going to look to draw you into the lane where Mo Bamba's waiting for you, where Jonathan Isaac's waiting for you, and then kind of surround you and pressure you with length and athleticism. Because by the time you kick the ball back out, the Magic are fast enough to respond and get back out to you. That is huge. That is defense in the NBA today. It's switching. It's quick rotations. It's pressure. It's it's some trapping occasionally. And now with Bamba as a potential defensive anchor, and maybe that's too much pressure to put on the kid, but he's earning that kind of pressure. And Jonathan Isaac is another defensive stalwart, a guy who 
it's looking like he's going to be an all-defensive team player at some point in his career. Now you've got the beginnings of an identity. Now, you can't... Obviously, the Magic aren't going to have these guys at Summer League. Obviously, the Magic aren't going to be able to feast on a rookie point guard all the time or, or, or you know, players who aren't going to be in the NBA. We know that. But defense translates. Defensive effort translates. And if the Magic main roster can give at even three-quarters of the buy-in that this group is giving to the defensive end. They're going to be very, very good. Because they've got guys who can clean up mistakes now. And at least in Summer League, that's what's going on. We are I honestly do believe this. We're watching more than the offense because the defense is the focus of this team. We are watching a preview of what the Orlando Magic will look like. At least an idealized version of what the Orlando Magic will look like on the defensive end. And that is something to get excited about. Because more than anything else, the Summer League has been successful so far because of the defensive efforts that Isaac, that Bamba, that Frazier, that Owundu, that Briscoe have put in and shown for this team. Yes, there are still a lot of concerns about the offense. It's not just about the summer league and, and it's poor shooting and all that. The offense has concerns. But the Magic are building their defense up first. And that's going to be the core of their identity. And we're seeing that in summer league playing out very, very successfully. So the question is, can they build it successfully in the regular season in October? And we'll have to wait a little bit longer to get to that. The Magic will next be in action probably Wednesday. Uh, opponent to be determined. We'll have the final day of preliminary round at the Las Vegas NBA Summer League um, on Tuesday. We'll find out who the Magic will play after that's completed. So we'll see who that is on Wednesday. Uh, and then, of course, we'll uh, play the tournament round. Orlando's guaranteed at least two more Summer League games. We'll see if Isaac and Bomba play. But again, very impressive showing from them despite the loss on Monday night. That's going to do it for me today. I want to thank you all again for listening. You, of course, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and all the fun places you download podcasts to your podcast-enabled listening device. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at, Philip, at Locked On Magic, as well as like us on Facebook at Locked On Magic. You can follow me on Twitter at philiprr underscore omd. And for the latest on the online, no magic, including a look at Mohamed Bamba's development and the stakes at play, check out orlandomagicdaily.com. And, of course, follow us on Twitter at omagicdaily. The Orlando Magic Daily Mailbag will be opening shortly after Summer League ends as free agency dies down. So if you have any Orlando Magic questions, feel free to send them my way. You can do that on Twitter at omagicdaily as well as by email at omagicdaily at gmail.com. And stay tuned to the Orlando Magic subreddit because I may be doing an Ask Me Anything very, very soon. So be on the lookout for that. I don't know if I should have announced that. It's done. It's out there. Um... I'm an open book. You can always tweet me at philiprr underscore omd or at omagicdaily. If you have any pressing magic questions, I'm here to answer your questions uh, throughout throughout the time that we're here on this this earth, I guess. Um, but until tomorrow, I'll be back again with another episode of Locked On Magic for Orlando Magic Daily and Locked On Magic. This has been Philip Ross and Reich. I'll see you all again next time for another episode of Locked On Magic. 
You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando magic podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.